0: Today on the podcast, I invited the beautiful Sally Prosser, who is a voice coach who's all about helping you speak with more confidence, clarity, and charisma. We dived into some incredible topics around sharing your voice with passion and confidence, the biggest challenges that hold people back from speaking more, dealing with the fear and judgment, what makes for a great speaking presentation, the top mistakes speakers make, overcoming the fear of public speaking, what you need to add to make your speech more engaging, and setting up your energy to make an impact. Sally is a voice coach, podcast host, and keynote speaker who says, Unless you've sworn a lifetime vow of silence, your voice matters and is key to connecting with others. Whether it's with one person at a coffee catch-up, a boardroom presentation, or a thousand people on a stage, the way that you speak must come across with confidence, clarity, and charisma if you want to make an impact. Sally's experience covers everything from radio presenting, teaching, journalism, and becoming TikTok famous. Allow me to introduce you to Sally Prosser. The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to uplevel their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners, where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to uplevel your mindset and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business, so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go.
1: Back in November in 2020, I asked the beautiful selling process to join me as part of the Love What You Do event, all about speaking more and caring less. And she shared some incredible things that I really wanted to ask her to be a part of the podcast. So today I am inviting the beautiful Sally to come and join us. So thank you so much for joining me today. Christine, so great to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. We talked about so many good things on that night that I wanted to be able to dive a little bit deeper because what you speak about in regards to encouraging more people to have so much more confidence around using their voice in a powerful way, not only just for business, but also just for better communication and connection. So I really wanted to be able to, for us to dive a little bit deeper into that today. So just to get started, I'd love for you to share a little bit of your journey and how you got to
2: where you are today. How long do we have? <laughs> That's <laughs> such a cliche answer. Oh, I hate cliches. Well, I guess the my business now could be described as a combination of three areas in my career. So I started out as a speech and drama teacher and I worked from the front room of my parents' house from when I was about 16. And that was helping kids with articulation, tongue twisters, drama, Stedfords, all of that fun stuff. And then at uni, I studied law and journalism actually, and I went into radio news reporting and then also television news reporting as well. And during that time, I discovered that, you know, your, your news voice is a bit different to your stage voice. And I remember reading the news one morning and my boss saying, Sal, this is not a Shakespearean monologue. (laughs) Like people are like getting the kids ready for school. You can't be. It's 530. Good morning. I'm Sally Prosser. (laughs) So I was like, oh, gosh. And I started to realize that where the magic really is, is when you can use your voice differently in different situations and be able to have control over its range. And then when I went into reporting, I had lots of journalists who I were helping, was helping on the side with their voice. And I worked for Channel 7 and Channel 10 and the ABC. I was all over the place. And then I crossed to the dark side. And that's what we say when people go from journalism to PR. I crossed the dark side and worked for a water and sewerage company. So there you go. I was the glamour girl for sewerage. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do know a freakish amount about what you should and shouldn't flush down the toilet. (laughs) I know, pretty funny. And when I was there, I was the spokesperson for the company along with my boss. And I started to realize that this skill set of being able to speak and speak confidently was something that a lot of people struggled with. Somebody said to me once in a meeting, Sally, you always say what you want to say in meetings. And I remember being genuinely confused and thinking, what do you mean? Don't you always say what you want to say? I'm one of those people that try to consciously be quiet so I don't dominate a conversation. (laughs) So the idea of not saying something was very foreign to me. So I said, oh, we can't have that. So we went to the kitchen and sat down. I said, right, here's what you need to do. You need to be clear on what you're going to say. You need to go in at a low pitch, a strong volume. Don't use that rising inflection. And she's like, hang on, I need to get my notebook. And so I started to realize that I had all this knowledge that I'd taken for granted that was really helpful for people. Mm. And so two and a half years ago, I thought, you know what? At the time, no kids, no pets, no boyfriend. What's the worst that can happen? I can go back to a diet of goon and two-minute noodles, which wasn't that bad while I was at uni. And then I yeah, struck out and I haven't needed to worry about that because it's been a, a huge success, which is great.
1: Awesome. And I love how you talk about actually helping people have charisma when they speak as well, because I love like, yes, it's important that you have the different pitches, but it's also that you want to be engaging. Right. And I mean, how it wouldn't have been that easy to make sewage. Entertaining or engaging, so I wonder whether that, like that experience, helped you be able to articulate yourself in such a different way that that actually helped
2: strengthen your ability to teach others. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So often people will say to me, "Oh, Sal, the t- the topic's technical, it's dry, it's boring." Yeah, I say, "Well, that's just your mindset around it." There's a reason you do what you do, and you're passionate about you do and what you do, and I believe every topic can be made to sound super engaging. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So why are you so passionate about helping people be able to use their voice? I guess because it's been such a huge advantage in my life. And I look back and it's not just my career. Of course, being a speech and drama teacher and a journalist and a spokesperson and now doing what I do, speaking, all of that, yes, it's definitely helped. But it's been the times in my life that haven't been related to work where it's been the most valuable. The times when I had to give the eulogy for my dad the times when I've had to cold call somebody after putting in a job application, the times when, when I was not so much now, but when I was 20, I was quite small. I was very, very blonde hair. I'm sure there would have been a whole lot of assumptions made about my intelligence level. And to be able to just respond with this boss voice definitely made people say, Oh, hang on, hang on a minute. Yeah. I want to listen to what she has to say. So that's been so powerful. I've been able to be in any meeting room with any level of, I guess, title, any gender, and been able to hold my own and have people listen. And that's just such a powerful skill to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also got harassed at a boxing match a couple of years ago with some friends of mine, and that blew up in the media. And I was doing media interviews about that internationally. And so being able to stand up for something that was genuinely wrong and have the confidence to do that and the ability to articulate my message on live radio. Again, so, so useful. So this is why I really believe that it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. If you can control your voice and have confidence, it's going to help you.
1: Yeah, in any way, shape or form, just the way you described, so, so important. So for those people who are listening to this going, well, I get that because you have such experience and you've been taught all of this. I guess it's like anything it's a skill that we need to develop but where would you say like if someone who is listening to this going they'd like to be able to speak more to be able to promote their business a little bit more where would you say that they should get started to build that confidence
2: work with one of us (laughs) (laughs) no it all starts with the mindset you know so it's our inner voice sabotages our real voice so true that's what mostly is happening. And you hear quite often, oh, I was totally freaking out. I was so nervous. I didn't think I could do it. But then when I put that video out or I spoke, it was fine. Once I got started, I was fine. And so that's telling you that it's your own mindset that's sabotaging the whole thing before you get started. Yeah. And there's lots of strategies. And this is what I guess I teach is that you've got to get that inner voice on side. And once your inner voice is on side, you can start being present with what you're saying. Because the main reason that we sound boring and that we say ums and ahs and we can't get our thoughts together is because our real voice is competing with like this inner dialogue, which is like heavy metal music. Yeah. Fighting, fighting us.
1: So true. And I think like as you start to work through that, and I, when I even think as you were speaking just then about that, I was, I was just thinking like in the different situations where I have spoken, Like even just starting the Love What You Do collective events two and a half years ago or whatever that was, there was so much fear around, you know, being that person in front of a group of people and being able to share things that I'm really passionate about. And it was, it was actually overcoming the mindset blocks first and actually taking myself out of the equation and just showing up for the people who were in the room that helped me be able to do that. And when you're focused on others rather than yourself, it's easier to quieten that inner, inner critic.
2: Oh, Christine, you're so good at what you do. And I love that. Speaking as an act of service, you know, get off Mimi Island, I say. So often we're like, oh my gosh, I sound so weird and people aren't going to like me and I'm going to say the wrong thing. And we become too self-obsessed. When you start to realize that your voice and what you know is a gift to share with people, people that want to listen, then you can stop being so selfish and just get out there and Share your gift with the world. Give the people what they want.
1: Absolutely. And then you can build the confidence because the, like, I'm a firm believer that the confidence doesn't come before the fact. It's only after the fact, right? <laughs> You've got to get the-
2: and And during as well. Just remember, everyone's not looking at you. You're looking at everyone. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not the centre of attention. The audience is the centre of yours. And when you really make it about them, it can totally flip the switch on it you know earlier this year with one of my makeover courses I was going live and I had a tech disaster on the very first masterclass. I was like oh my goodness the audio wasn't working and things just yeah disaster but my whole focus was there are people who have logged onto this to learn something in their own time I need to get this working so I can get online and share that information and while I When it started working, I just went straight into it. And a couple of people asked me in the chat, Sal, like good recovery. (laughs) How did that happen? And it was the way I approached it. It wasn't me going, oh, poor me. I've had the tech not work. My whole focus was people are here. I don't want to waste their time. I really want to share my value, which I know I have. And so it's having that belief that the message you have to share and your voice does deserve to be heard. It is important. And if people don't like it, they aren't going to be there you know, think about a podcast right now. We're not going around forcing earphones into people's ears. People have the choice to, to listen to us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, and to remember that. And I think when
1: those types of things do go wrong, it's actually not a bad thing because it makes you seem authentic. It makes you feel real and makes you approachable. And so like some of the times when things have completely stuffed up for me have been the best times that I've had better engagement. Like people, they feel real. You feel real. So the people reach out to you, right? Like any of the, like, Facebook lives that I've done some of them have gone horrendously bad and to the point where I've had my cat jump up knock my phone down had to pick it up like put it back up like all this crazy stuff and people just find it hilarious and they actually connect with you on a more real level
2: yeah absolutely there's just a little bit of a warning with that one they did a study where you have to establish your competency first and then you're allowed to stuff up a bit. So it wasn't ideal that that tech disaster happened on my first masterclass. <laughs> right. It would have been better if it was down the track. Yeah, it's really interesting. They say that we're much more forgiving of people's human flaws and foibles if they've established their competency and credibility first.
1: Yeah, wow. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So when you think about, like, obviously people struggle with public speaking. Is this obviously, like, we often hear that takeaway of that, public speaking is like fear of public speaking is like worse than death
2: right so
1: how how do you help your clients with regards to those who have a fear of public speaking
2: a lot of it is working out where that comes from you know what's this occasion that has defined that story for yourself That that one time 10 years ago when you did a speech and everyone didn't love it or someone laughed at you, has that been the story that's defined it for you? Have you just told yourself that you hate public speaking enough times that that's what you truly believe? So we work a lot of mindset, but then we go into the, the posture. Ground yourself. Imagine your legs are tree trunks and the roots are spreading into the whole entire floor. You're very supported. You're supported by the world. You go up and your shoulders are the strongest branches on the tree. Or you imagine you're wearing Victoria's Secret angel wings, whatever you like, you know, shoulders are back, head is up. And what that will do is that will open your torso and it will make it easier for the air to get in there. Mm -hmm. A lot of what I do is about breathing because oxygen fuels our voice. And when we get the fear, we go into fight or flight, the heart rate goes up, we lose the breath, we lose the voice, and it's this downward spiral. Mm -hmm. So if we can fuel ourselves up by breathing low and deep, imagine that your buttocks are your lungs. You're breathing into your bottom, not out of it, but into your bottom. So you're getting that air away from your shoulders. Then you're going to be able to engage the diaphragm and really power power your voice. So when you're speaking, you really want to feel like the power is coming from just below the sternum, like below your bra strap kind of area and not from your throat. And that will give you such a smoother sound. And I could give tips the whole day, but then you you know you think on the in-breath And then you speak on the out breath. It's not a very coronavirus safe message, I'm aware. But when you're speaking, you really want the air flowing through your phrases, flowing through your words. To give you a bit of an idea, the opposite would be me speaking while holding my breath and my sentences are quite uh, choppy and it's restricted. It's my whole voice hiding from you. Mm -hmm. It's going back. Whereas if we think about the tone forward and the air flowing, then it's a much more approachable, warm tone we're going to create.
1: I love that. And even utilizing your breath to help support your message. Like one of the best pieces of advice that I was ever given by a mentor about speaking was like actually utilizing pauses in a powerful place and use that time to breathe. So then you've actually got the oxygen to follow through with your voice.
2: Yeah, you've, you've got the power. And breathing in is called inspiration. Inspiration is breathing in. Comes from Inspire comes from the Latin inspirate, like the breathing in of ideas. And so how can you speak in an inspirational way if you are not inspired literally in the first place? Oh, I love- also, if you're lacking inspiration, go outside, take a few deep breaths. You're going to come up with ideas. Yeah, for sure. So good, so good.
1: Love it. Uh, all about the tips.
2: So
1: what are some of the other biggest challenges that your clients
2: experience? I would say knowing what to say. Mm. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to say. And I get asked a question and something comes out and I don't know if it makes any sense. (laughs) And so with that, we work on pausing and breathing as well. Getting into a habit of the thought dropping and then the voice following. Mm. This is also called my ball drop technique which is pretty funny. And the reason I call it that is if you imagine your thoughts are like a lotto ball machine, a lotto ball machine with all the balls just going crazy. That's most of our brains, right? If we don't control that filter, what tends to happen is we speak like a tennis ball machine. You know, those automatic tennis ball machines where as soon as the thought comes down, bang, it goes out another one, bang, it goes out. And so we end up just verbalizing our brain, (laughs) which can be a little bit all over the place yeah. so if we can get into a habit of saying okay the thought is going to drop first wait for it all to be there and then deliver in one go mm. thought drops voice follows and being okay with your voice being behind your brain I mean that's exactly where we want it to be mm.
1: but even when you think about anybody that you, like any confident person that speaks like when you think about like I think of like Barack Obama or Oprah Winfrey like they have this stance and this confidence, this real core developed confidence, and I'm using my hands because it's like it's almost like a depth of confidence. Does that make sense? Like it feels they feel so grounded that you want to hear them speak, and they do actually pause and then speak, and it actually develops such a strong belief in their confidence. And in their confidence, yeah, it yeah comes across so much more effectively.
2: Yeah, I think there's a difference between believing something and embodying something. So a lot of people believe they're confident, but it's different to just being confident, yeah. embodying confidence, making it part of everything. And a lot of that is self-forgiveness. It's okay if I speak a little bit too fast and something comes out higgledy-peeldy. I don't even know if that's a word, but <laughs> you just don't worry about it. And then also with knowing what to say, there's a lot of templates that you can learn so that a common one is what's used in interviews it's called it used to be called star I use something called so and so the s is what's the situation you were in the o is what was the objective the a was what is the action you took the r is what was the result and then the t was the takeaway and so when you're practicing sharing qualities about yourself or telling stories you just plug it into that template and the more you practice this the easier it will be So something that I use quite a lot without even thinking is just R, action, reason, example. Action, reason, example. So the action is it's really helpful to breathe low and deep. And the reason for this is it gives us enough oxygen to fuel our voice.
1: Mm.
2: And then I gave the example of if we don't have that, then we sound really restricted. Love it. You know, So having all these like templates in the background. Yeah. So it's like it's really handy. the preparation piece and i getting getting really clear on
1: your messages as well. Like I was actually helping a client through this the other day. She was looking at pitching to be on a podcast and I was like, okay, so what are some of the main topics that you love to talk about? And when we actually speak, think about what's your message of what do you want to get across, there are some things that you can actually practice. And when I think about, you know, even podcast interviews that I've been on or other speaking opportunities, the best way that I feel like I, I can come across with sharing anecdotes or sharing something that makes an impact is always through story. So even just starting to think about what are some key stories that you could tell that would actually help support your message or support the topics that you want you love to speak about or to get your point across, right? So share with us a little bit more about storytelling because I know how it's such an important part of getting comfortable with speaking. So share with us how your take on storytelling.
2: For sure. Richard Branson says, storytelling is as old as the campfire and as new as Twitter. (laughs) and we do remember stories a lot more than we remember lists of things we think visually and that's something important to think about when you're putting together your content can you picture what you're saying or can you just list it so often powerpoint presentations are just this list of bullet points but we don't think in that way Mm. we we think in pictures so with storytelling i would say you want to take somebody somewhere and go through the senses what does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Create an ambience, transport that person there. So I remember being on a, in a Stedford and I was on the stage and I couldn't see anybody in the audience because the lights were so bright. It was so quiet, you could hear a pin drop. And I was standing there, frozen because I'd forgotten my lines. And my heart rate was going so fast. My heart was beating so loud. It was the only thing I could hear. I could feel the sweat start to drip down and the heat rising my body at the same time. And it felt like it was forever. And then the adjudicator needed to give me a prompt and I kept going. But, but hopefully that gives you a bit of an insight into when you're telling a story, you really just create the picture. So you're there with me on the stage. Mm.
1: And it creates literally an emotional response. So as you were saying that our bodies will always like, even we will either bring up a memory, the brain will bring up a memory of where we had something similar, or we'll actually have an emotional response of what it would be like because our brain doesn't know the difference between real and imaginary. So when we're activating that part of our brain, we can really feel it and experience it the way that you would have experienced it. So good. Um, What do you feel makes for a great speaking presentation? What are some of the key things that you need to have involved in that?
2: Well, I believe that the energy you bring is more important, maybe just as important as what you say. The energy you bring is more important than what you say. And the focus for a lot of presenters is what am I going to say? What is the content? Have I got my slides finished? And there's so much focus on content, not energy. And if you think about it, the goal of a speech should not be to share information. I know people are going to probably fight me on this. But if our goal was just to share information, then send an email, send an ebook. You know, like Mm. there's lots of other ways. Let's take advantage of having our face and our voice and our body in front of somebody. That's how we can really make the connection. And that's why, as you mentioned, the storytelling is so important. The tone of your voice, the way you take pauses, the way you move, the way you gesture. Think of all those other things that are outside the content. And so before a presentation, I'd always be focusing on how am I getting my energy in the right zone? And it's different for everybody. So for me, it's deep breathing, cup of tea, cranking Dolly Parton, just giving myself that time. I work with a lot of people who go into quite high pressure presentations And they've had meetings all day right up to the time they have to go live. They haven't even got a chance to walk around. They're stressing about getting something else together. And so all of that energy you're going to be taking straight into that presentation. Tony Robbins, I saw this on a Netflix documentary, he has this crazy ritual to get ready for presenting. He goes in his plunge pool and then he does these mantra things and a bit of movement and he gets his makeup done. It goes back in the pool. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then he like rebound trampolines before he sets on stage. Yeah. Yes. And he jumps on the trampoline. So all of that is putting his energy in the right zone to be able to go out and perform the way he does. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that with professional presenters is that it's not just easy for us. There's a lot of preparation that goes in cool. beforehand Days when I give my masterclass, I try to make the whole entire day free. I go to the gym. I don't look at any emails for an hour before because there might be just that one annoying email that will send my mind down some distraction path. And so finding what it is to get your energy right. And then that's when you'll come out. That's when you'll feel more relaxed and you'll be able to really transmit that energy to the audience. I love
1: that. Love that. And I've used that in so many different ways as well. Like, When I think about depending on what I want to bring to the session, like before my client sessions, I will actually work through a meditation and I'll have certain essential oils that I'll use to actually put me in the right state depending on what it is that we're going to be working on. Because if we're working through some emotional stuff, I I, I want to be as grounded as possible and coherent with my heart energy as possible to be able to bring that love and energy to the space. But then when I think about speaking, the opposite works for me. And it's funny because I've tested both because I was like, Do I want to be really grounded and do I want to be, you know, in that kind of meditative kind of energy for some events? Maybe, but not all. And so I found that what I was doing actually did it by mistake was like I used my essential oil and meditated beforehand and then I went on stage and I was too relaxed (laughs) Mm. and didn't bring the energy that I wanted to bring. So now I should have shifted it to a, like, even when I think about like the, my last keynotes were obviously a while ago because hashtag COVID. Um, but it was like how I utilized songs and themes to actually boost my energy. So I'd have a playlist, a specific playlist that I would use beforehand to start boosting my energy and lifting my energy levels. Then before I stepped on stage, I was bringing the whole, and I'm using my hands here because I'm very <laughs> animated, but I think it brings that energy to the space. And I just love that. And it doesn't just happen, right? Like people actually use use something to prepare themselves.
2: For sure. And what I love about that is you said I tried this and it didn't work. And so the key is to really get out there and say yes to the opportunities and give it a go. Because if you never do it, then you're never going to really learn what it is that works for you.
1: Yeah. So did you start like you obviously doing teaching drama and things like that? When did you start to do a little bit more speaking on a bigger scale?
2: Uh, So uh, when I was a journalist, I did a couple of guest hosting kind of things. And then When I was with Urban Utilities, I emceed the National Water Conference for a day.
1: And did you feel confident with those straight up or was that something that you built confidence throughout doing such a large, They would have been big rooms?
2: You know, I feel like a lot of public speaking trainers have the story where they once were so scared of it. And then they overcame it. I don't have that story. It's something that's just been in me. When I was younger, I was pestering my mom to put me in drama lessons and I would have a hairbrush, but then she bought me a toy microphone that I would use in front of the mirror. Like I just always had this urge to speak when I was at school and they would ask somebody to stand up and say, thank you to the guest speaker, you know, like on behalf of year eight, we'd like to say, you know, I would sit there and just pray that I would get picked. Like I just used to love doing that stuff. I know it's so weird. Whenever it was uh, any volunteers to speak, yes, yes, yes. I've always just wanted to do it. And then growing up and being in lots of a having that experience of feeling nervous, but going on stage, having to become a character, going on stage, I feel like I've got that performance experience. And so I would say, yes, it does come very naturally to me. I'm able to get into performance mode and just go and do it. And I love it. Love it.
1: So good. So good. So would you say like, for, even if you think back to any of your clients that you've worked with this year that have really struggled with that fear of stepping on and this kind of starting, they haven't really had that much experience. What are some of the tips that you shared with them to help support them in taking that next leap?
2: Start small. Often it can become quite overwhelming. You don't need to go from never public speaking to stepping on a massive state. And you might see people doing Instagram stories every day But I had one client who had a big win this week. She did her first face-to-video Instagram story. Fantastic. Like, amazing. So good. She recorded it a few times, deleted a few. That's fine. But then got one and then posted it. Amazing. So I'd say the first thing is not to compare. Because if you constantly, if you feel like you're here and everyone else is up there, you're just going to be feeling bad about yourself. And if you think about your voice, like a child, if you're constantly telling it, you're no good, you can't do it. It's a really hard environment (laughs) to do anything. So start small. You can do this. You do have something valuable to say, get a mantra. I'm grateful for the opportunity. They want to listen to me. I deserve this space. And then just experiment breathe deep and give it a go done is better than perfect if I wanted every TikTok to be perfect I would never have posted any right (laughs) and also just remembering every single one of us is a speaker and every time we speak that it's not to ourselves is public speaking that's true so some people will say, oh, Sal, I'm fine if it's just four people that I know, but as soon as it's a bigger crowd, I just freak out. I'm like, mm, okay, so what if it's five people you know? What if it's six? You know, we create these crazy rules in our mind for when we can do things and when we can't do things. That's so true. You know, it's, it's
1: actually opposite for me. Like I would freak out more if it was in front of people I know and less in like if it's a room full of people I don't know I've never met, I'm actually much better. <laughs> and but why is that? I have no idea. Oh actually I do. It's it's honestly about the judgment, right? So I when we think about the fear of public speaking, we look at the deeper elements, right? So which is actually the fear of judgment or the fear of rejection? And it's a bit of both.
2: Yeah, absolutely and it goes back to that caveman part of the brain is we are hardwired to be part of the tribe. And if we break away mm-hmm. from the tribe then that's mixed with the the fear of rejection which is i think that's like the number one human fear the fear of rejection or humiliation so when we're in front of a crowd and we go into fight or flight it's our brain going get out of there you're on a suicide mission (laughs) sit down (laughs) but it's about reframing and saying you know what i'm not going to be rejected because public speaking can bring people together a lot more than separate love
1: it obviously with 2020 things changed a little bit this year. And people who were doing a lot of public speaking had to shift to a little bit more online, and people who were, you know, just in offices had to get more comfortable being
2: on camera on
1: Zoom, for instance. Did you have a lot of clients that came to you needing support with being able to be more confident on on Zoom?
2: Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And this is where, luckily, I'm a bit vain and also used to be a TV reporter, so I was like, ah, love the camera. So. got that experience in being able to look at the lens and imagine there's a person on the other side and that's been the most helpful thing is imagination because people say oh i've got no re- no feedback i don't know if they like it or don't like it i say use your imagination when i can't see anybody i just imagine everybody is so incredibly fixated on what i'm saying and if they're not talking to me in the chat it's because they're so stunned by how good it is they can't move and so you create this i guess illusion in a way, of everybody loving it and really wanting to be there. Because if we start thinking the opposite, oh, they're not looking, they're playing with their cat, they're getting a cup of tea, then that's going to affect the energy that we put into the lens. And then, of course, the logistics as well of, you know, lighting and background and all of that. And that's just something that you just need somebody to tell you about. All the tech can be quite overwhelming. And then also just not worrying about tech problems. Like, of course, test it if you can. But it happens, and learning to love virtual. Do I love in person more than virtual? I'd probably say yes. But virtual, it gives us so much better opportunity to reach so many people that we wouldn't have been able to otherwise. So going into the presentation with a real sense of gratitude. Of imagine you're an alien and you land here, and you're like, oh my god, people are just talking through these little things and connecting with people on the other side of the world. This is amazing.
1: (laughs) So true, and. Like I would think about this year gone, obviously it's gone nuts, but um, with Love What You Do, like having in-person events and then having those to be closed down and then I turned them online for a few of the events in the middle of the year. I was really fascinated with some of the feedback that we got. Like I remember connecting with a few of the people who attended online and then came to the next in-person and they were like, we actually loved the online because it felt like a beautiful, intimate group and we we actually got so much more one-on-one time. You could ask questions with the speaker and things like that. So I was really fascinated with like, because I had this whole like, before doing it, it, was like, this is going to be such a huge thing to do. Like, how are we going to do it? Is it going to, I want to make sure that it actually adds lots of value because it's a whole different experience when you're in person to being online. Like, how do we keep people engaged? Like, it's a lot of stuff that I was going through trying to figure out what was the best way to deliver it and didn't think about like the positive impacts. And then you just don't think about it at the time, but I was like, I'm just going to make sure I can put all my all into it and hope that they love it. And then go from there and it was such a positive experience so it's definitely worthwhile trialing things online um, rather than just in person for sure yeah i love that so i'd love for you to share are there any major top mistakes that you
2: see speakers make that we should be aware of i'll go with a bit of a controversial one go for it speaking speaking too slowly there's a belief which i think sometimes school teachers might perpetuate this one sorry to any school teachers listening where the if everything is, oh, just knock my microphone. If everything is very clear and you can understand every word I say, then that makes me a better presenter because all the words are clear. And this is something that we tend to do, especially when we're reading. This is why you can always tell when somebody's reading because you lose that natural speech rhythm. Mm. It's totally fine for some words not to stand out. That's the whole point. If everything stands out, nothing stands out. So we always want to be picking what are the words that come forward and like what are the stars of the show and what are the ones that sit back and and don't matter at all. And having flow in our speech I think is a lot more effective than breaking it down to be really steady. And I see this a lot in online presentations where somebody's just reading and they're just making sure everything is clear and it loses that engagement. Yeah,
1: sure. I've seen that before as well. Mm. Yeah, you're so right. Any other mistakes you see people
2: make? Focusing too much on content. We went through that one. I'd also say with slides, making slides the star of the show, not you. Remember, the slides work for you. You don't work for the slides. And so you really, I'd say, do your presentation first and then match the slide deck to it if you're using the slide deck. Mm. And also just lacking animation. I know I look like I've just walked off the set of a kid's TV show, so I'm not saying everyone needs to be as animated as I am. But practice in front of a mirror or record yourself because the number one piece of feedback I get from my clients when I record them, it's not, oh, I don't like the sound of my own voice. You might think that would be the number one thing, but the number one thing I hear is, oh my gosh, I thought I sounded and looked really animated, but I look completely wooden and void of emotion,
1: <laughs> you know? That's fine.
2: And so really getting in front of a mirror, getting in front of a video and having a look at, are you moving your eyebrows? Are you animated? When you smile, are you owning your crow's feet? Right. So when we smile, a genuine smile makes those little wrinkles and lifts that part of the face, and a fake smile only moves the mouth.
1: Mm.
2: Like that. So it's important in communication because we want to be genuine, right? So lifting your eyes when you smile. And I'd say the other mistake is thinking that more information equals a better speech or video or presentation. When Less really is more. You look at people like Simon Sinek. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. He's made his whole career pretty much on one line. And us as humans, we don't, if we get to our top information limit, we don't just put a lid on it and keep everything that's in there and ignore everything beyond. We actually clear the whole cache. We forget everything. So if you're trying to pack too much detail into your presentation, you run the risk of people not taking anything in. And remember, you know so much about your topic, you could talk about it for days. So you have to channel frozen and let it go. Let it go, let it go. Put all your post-it notes up and saying, right, I'm just going to focus on these three things because at the end, you're much better off having people wanting more information than feeling so overwhelmed that they stop engaging. And with time limits, if you're speaking at an event, always aim to go under. Why is that? Because people will never be like, oh my gosh, like I paid for this. I want my extra five minutes. People always feel happy getting extra time back in their day. But even the best speakers, I hear sometimes keynotes are 45 minutes to an hour. Like that's a long time for someone to be holding attention. And especially if you're speaking before lunch or something, and even with Zoom, most people have back-to-back meetings. Yeah. Even if you're engaging, if you're going over time, people are starting to look at their watch. And you want your final words to be the most engaging. So if you're able to deliver that well in the time limit, you're not rushing, you're able to use your pauses, then you can make a really strong impact and have people wanting more. Love that.
1: Great advice. So good. So good. So we have to talk about judgment because as we've we've alluded to a little bit more about fear of public speaking and things like that and the fear of rejection. But I think like your experience this year with Becoming TikTok famous and putting yourself out there in such a different way than you had before. I would love to hear your take on how you've handled the, the judgment and the, you know, those negative comments that always come.
2: Yeah, well, it's a bit of a surprise at first, you know, actually saying your video is S H I T and one guy who put the pool emoji onto my head and then made a video saying I was the most condescending woman in Australia. Which funny considering I used to work for the sewerage company, hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) It can be hard to take, but I would say I mean, the, the positive feedback was overwhelming and really owning not being a people pleaser. Like, it's okay for people not to like you, it's not, it's more than okay, it's how it should be. If you're pleasing everybody, then I think you're doing something wrong. You're not actually being yourself. Sorry. Yeah. And there's people in your life who you care about, how they think about you. And there's strangers where it doesn't really matter. And even if it is somebody in your family who's passing judgment on you and doesn't agree with you, that's okay. Like that's just them projecting. If you're okay with what you're doing and you feel good about it, that's really all that matters. So with the haters, I, first of all, show them pity. You know, what is going on for you that makes you want to make that negative comment? I see videos that I don't like and I just scroll on. You know, so so what's going on in people's minds to be able to say, I I actually hate this so much, I'm going to comment. And then Mm. I also am thankful. Like, thanks for engaging with my content. That's great. I'm glad I had some sort of some sort of impact (laughs) but I say that's the biggest lesson this year is just genuinely not caring what other people think and it's not in that arrogant way of like I'm going to do what I want and I just don't care what you think it's more just really satisfying yourself are you okay with what you're doing and it's very liberating to get to that stage
1: exactly it is so liberating and honestly like sometimes you don't realize how much you hold yourself back for that fear, which sometimes actually does not even come, right? Like how many things have you already put out into the world and not had negative feedback on that if you had told yourself that you gonna have negative
2: feedback on, that you would have actually stopped yourself from putting it out there? Yeah, well, I'm just prolif- a prolific poster. I <laughs> <laughs> just post so, so much and try not to worry about it too much. I will say, you know, that's one reason why I've got a membership community and I run courses because that way people who are into what I'm about and what I do come to me. It can be more challenging when you're, say, working for a corporate and you're in front of a whole lot of people who are just there because it's in the diary and somebody told them they had to be there. (laughs) It can be a little bit trickier. But I think people are really attracted to people who are confident in themselves. You just put out a vibe that people like. And yeah, I think there's lots of strategies that you can use to do that. One of mine has been looking in the mirror every morning and doesn't matter what I look like. I say, you've got this girl today. We've got an ally, not an enemy. And so wherever I am, I constantly feel like I'm with two people. Like I constantly feel like I'm with a team. (laughs) That sounds funny. That's awesome. And like my biggest fan is myself. So and sometimes when you like listen to love songs and just think about you singing them to the your younger self think about singing it to your younger self and it can be a really great way to just encourage yourself and be there for you Mm -hmm. so often we have this board of directors in our own head which is the uptight version of ourselves so if you imagine you know sally in like a really tight bun and tight clothes and severe makeup and we feel that if we don't le- live up to our own expectations we're going to get fired by ourselves <laughs> it's so true whereas if you yeah we do we have this yeah. our expectations are kind of like this nasty board whereas if instead we think okay what would love do and what would the most loving version of myself do yeah if, so if I stuff something up the loving version of Sally goes have a champagne it's not the end of the world and also expecting the worst like rather than going oh will they not like it will i make a mistake yeah some people won't like it and you will make a mistake who cares? like like you you will (laughs) don't fear that it won't happen just know that it will and maybe that's the pr professional inside me where we're always predicting the worst case scenario
1: love it it's so true and i think it's so important that you do become your own inner cheerleader for sure because it's that mix between rejection and acceptance and there are parts of ourselves where we have certain experiences that don't go to our level of expectation that we want and actually reject a part of ourselves. So I love that you shared that because it's like, if we're allowed if we're teaching ourselves to encourage ourselves, to parent ourselves, to be kind to ourselves, we're more likely to be so much more accepting and loving towards our mistakes.
2: Love the mistakes. You asked me earlier this week on Instagram about failures and I was racking my brain. I have had a pretty good year. I will say that, but I've really don't see failures as failures. Mm. It's almost like I'm like, yes, more material for the keynote when I'm famous. Oh, yeah, I can put that in the book. Oh, you know, the failure is actually getting me closer to where I need to be. And when things are going too well, maybe it's my history of bad relationships as well, where I was like, if things are going, if this is too good to be true, it probably is. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness.
1: It's never that case. So yeah. It's actually more of an upper
2: limiting problem. Things can be good and you can totally enjoy yourself and have fun with it. You're totally, yeah, you're totally right because that's the other thing. Uh, public speaking is so stressful. Like, no, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be at all. It can be whatever you want it to be. Exactly. Just go out and have fun with it. Like, the more
1: times that I've actually gone out and had fun with it, the more impact it's made anyway. For sure. So good. So share with us a little bit more about your upcoming program. So you've got an upcoming program called The Six-Week Voice Makeover. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yes, my six-week voice makeover, surprise, surprise, it's six weeks. (laughs) And over the six weeks, we cover the fundamentals you need to make an impact every time you speak, whether it's a podcast or an Instagram video or a birthday speech, you can apply it to anything. So we cover mindset, posture, breathing, resonance, clarity of speech and expression, And it's on Facebook and I would love to see you there. So just head to my website, sallyprosser.com.au and you'll see all the details there.
1: Amazing. And make sure you check her out on Instagram and TikTok, of course, as well, because you find there's some awesome videos that she's put up on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) So last question, Sally. For those who are listening that would love to be able to take their speaking to the next level to support their business, what advice would you have for them?
2: Start. Just start creating content. That whole idea of action is what gives you motivation. And if you're putting off that video, the more you put it off, the scarier beast it's going to become. So just do it. (laughs) Bite the bullet and do it. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast
1: today and sharing all of your insights. I really appreciate you sharing and giving us a little bit more of a background about you
2: and your experiences. Oh, Christine, it's been so lovely. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the next level life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode. So please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week. And here's to taking your life to the next level.